Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. So today is What Can't I Do? The title is What Can't I Do on a Sunday? What can't I do on a Sunday? The whole Sabbath thing, right? Next week, we're going to see what can I do on a Sunday, the second part. So don't miss next week. But today, we're in Mark chapter 2, 23 to 28. And there's been a dramatic shift in our culture on what we can do on a, on a Sunday, on a Sabbath, right? In fact, I found this article. April 18, 1909, the New York Highlanders, now known as the Yankees, right? Uh, God's team, uh, and the Jersey City Skeeters okay, played an exhibition game in near silence. All right? it was, the 18th was a Sunday, and there was blue laws forbidding any sports activities on a Sunday. Wow, huh? Because many teams had experienced run-ins with the law, the Jersey management passed out cards to spectators requesting that they keep quiet, including no cheering. The crowd obliged, and the Highlanders... Defeated the Skeeters, of course, the Yankees won. Defeated the Skeeters 6-3. to three. Uh, Can you imagine a sporting event with no cheering? Uh, crazy, isn't it? Or that sports wouldn't be played on, on a Sunday. I mean, now everybody plays on a Sunday, right? There's a huge lacrosse tournament going on right outside here, right? Uh, it's, it's, Sunday's no big deal. Also, I found another interesting article, and I couldn't find the date because I just tore out the page. It was from a journal. It said, Warning to Sabbath Breakers, and I'm guessing it was about the same time. Uh, journal, and it says this, on Sunday the 8th, Mr. William Wilson, no relation to my dad, this is really funny, uh, of Vernon, New Jersey, went out in the morning to catch some fish, and while standing on the edge of the creek engaged in fishing, his feet slipped and he fell into the water. Before assistance could be provided, his spirit was before the bar of his God, he has left a wife and five children. So here's this journal saying, don't Go fishing on Sunday. This is why the guy drowned, right? Uh, this is 1900s at some point. This is what was going on. It's pretty funny now, right? It, now I'm trying to put it in context. It'd be like, well, if you were watching your team play on a Sunday and they got beat, you know, that you'd be blaming, you know, God punished you for watching it. Whatever. So I'm trying to put it in context. Now, things have, there's been a lot of changes, right? For Sundays and what goes on on Sundays. It's very, very different, isn't it? Not all the changes, I think, have been good. Some have been good, but not all have been good. Here's a study. It said, scientific proof, a link between shopping and sin. It's a study by University of Notre Dame about the blue laws. And it says, when states drop blue laws, which ban Sunday commerce. Remember the blue laws? You couldn't buy anything. Stores were closed. When they dropped it, church attendance dipped by 15% among those who had been going weekly. That's not all. This is a scientific study, right? Churchgoers became as likely as non-attendees to use drugs, and the gap between the two groups' heavy drinking rates closed sharply. The scientist who did this, uh, Hungerman, said, this is his conclusion, he said, what you do on Sunday morning could make a big difference in how you spend Saturday night. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was interesting. And now, you know... Blue laws, there's no such thing in our country, right? It's so, it's so common that now that everything's open, that Chick-fil-A, when they don't open on Sunday, it makes headlines. Every once in a while there's a big article, Chick-fil-A's not open on Sundays, and there's a big article about that, and it causes a big to-do. Although they've been really blessed, too. Chick-fil-A's sales every year, up, 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 and they've just been so super blessed. But they make headlines for not opening. I mean, everybody's open now, right? Now, 
what can't I do? I'm going to get to a lot of this in a minute. What can't I do on a Sunday? That's kind of the question I want to ask here. Let's see what Jesus says. Forget the blue laws. Forget our culture. Forget then and now. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 2? And the re- Jesus comes out with this because the Pharisees are at it again. All right? They're attacking him again. <clears throat> remember the Pharisees, our little song? Well, we're going to do it again here. All right, this is how you can remember what the Pharisees are like. First of all, the beginning of the song goes, I just want to be a sheep. Bad, bad. Come on, help me. I just want to be a sheep. Don't want to be a wolf. No, I just want to be a sheep. Okay, bad, 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 bad. Now, wolves, ooh, sheep, bad, bad. Okay, good, got that straight. There's always farming challenged people in the congregation. All right, that? Vernons are shaking their head too. Come on, you know, sheep don't, ooh. Okay, so the, now, then it says, I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee because they're not. Thank you. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Okay, so the Pharisees, and we're going to get to Sadducees another time later in Mark here, but Pharisees are not fair, you see. They're not fair. They have all these rules, right? And the Pharisees strike again here. They've already attacked Jesus. We've seen them. They've attacked him for eating with sinners. Then they attack him for eating at all, you know, eating at all because they think he should be fasting. And now they attack him for eating on the Sabbath. They, they talk about an eating disorder. These guys had the first ones, right? Uh, and uh, these guys are way out there. So let, before we read the passage, let me pray, and then we'll read the passage. Father, we thank you for our warm worship service today. We thank you for bringing us all together. And we know that we're here for a reason, that your spirit wants to speak to each one of us. And pray that you would show us what you want in our life through your word, how you want to change our heart, and how you want to make our life more fulfilling and more awesome by following your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So he starts out with verses 23 and 24 again, where they accuse him. He said, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? So they're attacking him, they're accusing him of, of breaking something here. Now, they're not accusing him of stealing. Stealing of the Ten Commandments, stealing is the... Eighth commandment. They're not accusing him of stealing because in Deuteronomy 23, 25, let me just turn to that and I think it's right behind me too. Here's part of the law. The Mosaic law says, if you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hand, but you must not put a sickle to a standing grain. So they were allowed, if they're walking through a wheat field or corn, any kind of a field, they were allowed to take a handful of something and eat it. I grew up on a farm and uh, we had cherries and our neighbors had apples and, and it was not unusual. We would walk, we were going to a friend's house, we'd walk through their apple orchard and grab an apple. 
They never cared. No big deal. Now, if we had taken a, a, a basket and filled it up, that would have been, they would have said, what are you doing? But they had no problem. And if they walked through our cherry orchard, they were allowed to grab our cherries. No big deal. But once again, if they were trying to pick them and you know, fill up a buck, a pail of them, that would have been a problem. But it's just kind of known in, in farming communities. You walk through someone's orchard, you're, you're welcome to an apple or their grapes or cherries. No big deal. Just don't fill up a basket, you know, because then you're, that, that would be stealing. So that's the same thing that God had given through the Mosaic Law. So they weren't stealing. There's no problem with them taking the grain. But they were breaking, according to the Pharisees, the fourth command, which was breaking the Sabbath. Verse 24, they're accusing of breaking the Sabbath. And this is a very, very serious accusation because in Exodus 31, verses 14 and 15, it says... Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. So under the Jewish law, you could be executed. And people were executed, although they didn't follow the law very closely by this time. So it's very, very serious accusation. They're really saying, ah, we, we could kill you, we could stone you, and that's what they did with Jesus, right? That's exactly what they did with a lot of the disciples. Uh, 11, 10, 10 out of the 12 were, were killed, 11, even the one who replaced, 11 out of 12 were, were martyred. They were looking for grounds to kill Jesus. Now, what exactly does the Bible say about the Sabbath? Let's look at the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11 is the, the eighth commandment. Exodus 20, and I think it's behind me. Yep, good, good, good. So it says here, here's the eighth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so the Bible says the Sabbath day, you're supposed to rest, you're not supposed to do any work. That's very clear what the Bible says, all right? But the Pharisees decided that the Bible wasn't clear enough. Just like we've been talking about with the Pharisees, they're not fair, you see all the rules. It wasn't clear enough. And just like with everything else, they decided to add some extra rules. They came up with 39 more regulations to just kind of make sure that people, if they don't know what God really meant, they were going to make it very clear. They came up with these minute regulations in the rabbinical halakha. And here's a couple things. I found this in the Berean website. Couple of things. This is I'll just. There's a lot of them. I'm not going to read all 39. One is you could take no more than 3,000 steps on the Sabbath. Okay, you could carry no more weight than half of a dried fig. Hmm. Okay, and you are not allowed to spit on soft soil. I know, uh, on soft soil, lest the spittle plow the ground. Dragging a stick on the ground was forbidden on the Sabbath because that was like plowing the ground. Rubbing grain in one's hands was considered to be threshing, and blowing the shaft away was winnowing. Both were forbidden on the Sabbath. And if you've never been in a wheat field, and I'm guessing most of you haven't been, you know, the wheat grows or the oats grow, and you take the grain and you can take them and rub them together and blow away the, 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 the shell part there, and then you can eat the, the wheat. 
And you wouldn't think it would taste very good because it's not salted, it's not roasted, it's not anything. But at this time, there was no wawa, there was no store to go to, and this was considered a snack, okay? And so that was according, not in the Bible, not in the Old Testament, not in the Mosaic Law, but according to the um, the Pharisees, they broke the law. In fact, just walking through the field, they had already broken the Sabbath just by being out there. My question is, how did the Pharisees get out there? You ever think about that? Okay, they're breaking, they got 3,000 steps. You know, they're out in a wheat field, right? How did the Pharisees get there? These guys are something, aren't they? It reminded me when I was a kid. I remember one time I was during prayer time, Sunday school class. I was about five, probably. And I'll never forget it. I was sitting there, and I just had to keep my eyes open during the prayer time. I looked around, looked around. I was just watching as the prayer was going, and I was watching the teacher pray. I just wasn't curious. No big deal. I didn't think much of it. But when the prayer ended, one of the kids raised their hand and said, Teacher? Chucky had his eyes open the whole prayer. I froze because I broke the rule. Eyes closed, you know, hands, eyes closed. And, and the teacher, they'll save me, she said, how do you know he was open the whole time, yeah? And, but this is what it's like here. And I was off the hook, you know. So uh, how did the Pharisees know? Because they were obviously out walking, breaking, but in their mind, well, you've got to break the law to catch the lawbreaker. You know, the ends justify the means. You know, and this is what these guys were doing, right? And this is what the Sabbath had become. What was meant to be a day of refreshment became a chore to all the Israelites. It became a chore. They were worn out trying to keep the, all these rules that the Pharisees had about the Sabbath. They were trying to avoid the Sabbath Nazis, you know, the, the guys who were watching close. You know, they're trying to avoid them. So Jesus, we see, he didn't break God's law. He broke the Pharisees' man-made rules and traditions here. And that's why Jesus comes back in verses 25 and 26. He comes right back at them. I love it how he handles these guys. He says, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. So he said, Have you never read? He says, you guys, what he's saying to these guys, these are experts in the law. They supposedly have the whole Bible memorized and, and also all their commentaries and all the stuff they made up. He said, have you, don't you know what the Bible says? Haven't you ever read it? He's really, he's really digging at them. And then he shares the story from 1 Samuel 21 where David was on the run from King Saul. Remember Saul was trying to kill him. He was with his, his band of, of outlaws. They were defenseless and starving. They show up where the tabernacle was located at that time and, and they were starving and they gave, him, they gave him Goliath's sword, which David earned. He deserved that sword. But they also, so he had defense now, but they also gave him the consecrated bread, the show bread that was set out on the table before God and only the priests were allowed to eat this. But Jesus is making a point because David was never condemned for eating that bread. And he's making a point, he's saying... Human need trumped God's law at this time. Human need trumped it. And if that's okay, how much more does human need trump man's traditions? He's saying if David can eat this holy bread, then my disciples can eat some plain grain. That's what he's telling them. And then in verse 27, he really starts after him. He says, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, you missed the whole point. The Sabbath was made for man so that he could have a day of rest. It, man wasn't created for the Sabbath so that he could, so the Sabbath would have somebody to follow it. 
He said, you got it all mixed up. So the Sabbath day was given as a gift to us. It's a gift, a day to rest, a day to recharge, a day to enjoy the Sabbath. That's what the day. But the Pharisees made it a pain in the butt. They took all the fun out of, all the joy out of the Sabbath. They ruined the day. And then Jesus really hammers them when he says, So the Son of Man, verse 28, is Lord even of the Sabbath. We've been talking, we've used that the, the Son of Man, we've already talked about that many times here. It's a messianic term. It means he's divine. He's actually God himself, Son of God. He says, he says you know, who created the earth? Who created the Sabbath? He did. He said, I'm the one who created this day. I'm the one who gave it to Moses, the law to Moses. I'm the one. So you know what? I can do whatever I want on Saturday night. It's my day. I make the rules. You know, it's kind of like being a parent. You know, you have the parent, you have all these rules for your kids, but but then we don't really have to keep the same rules here. You know what I'm talking about? Now he's pointing out, how come we can't eat in the living room? Whatever it is, you know, how come you do this and that? So anyway, that's what that's, comes with being God. You can do whatever you want, right? And he says, and don't forget, and this is also another important thing that we're going to see as we go through the book of Mark. He also came to fulfill the law. Fulfill the law so that we today no longer have to follow every regulation in the law. Now, I wouldn't say the same for the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments, is there anything in there that we shouldn't follow? No, they were before the law and they're after the law. You can find them anywhere in the Bible. But all the other regulations, Jesus came to fulfill. That's why Christians no longer have to follow the law. He came to fulfill it. In fact, in Colossians 2, I'll read this one to you. In Colossians chapter 2... Verse 16 and 17. I know it's behind me, but I'm taking a while to find this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Okay. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says. I can't read it. Okay. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are the shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So we know that Christ, now we're post-cross, we're post-resurrection, we're post-law. We know that Christ fulfilled the law. And so that we aren't under the, the, the same regulations anymore. We're not under all these laws. Well, my question is this. Should we still keep a Sabbath day? Should we still keep one? We're not under the law. We don't have to keep the Saturday night, Saturday, Friday night to Saturday night. We don't have to keep the Jewish law anymore. But are we supposed to still keep a Sabbath? I think the answer to that, right back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 11, where it talks about, now remember, we already talked about the Ten Commandments, all still in play. Nobody would argue that any of the commandments shouldn't be kept anymore. They were before the law. We find them after the law, all still in play. But especially what, what God takes it to in Exodus 20, just a second, verse 11, where he says, what he traces it to, he says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The, he takes it back to creation. Before the law was given, to creation itself. So there's no confusion. I really believe that a Sabbath is still for today. I believe we were, and I know, the Bible's clear, we were created with a need for a Sabbath day of rest. It was given for our good. 
It's a day to, to rest. It's a day to recharge. But we're not under the law, so it doesn't have to be Saturday. The Jews had to celebrate, had to observe Saturday. Christians historically have observed Sunday. But guess what? That's not in the Bible either, right? That's just a tradition that Christians have observed. That's kind of been one that Christians have kept. That's fine. I, I'm real, I don't know about you, but I'm really busy on Sunday. My Sabbath is Monday. That's my day. You try to call me on Monday, probably can't reach me. Kim might check on the messages for me, but it's, it's tough. That's my day to just, just really recharge. I'll talk about that more next week when I say what we can do. But that's my Sabbath. Sunday doesn't work for me, right? Because that's work. But it, it, we, I really believe we do need to keep a Sabbath day. Doesn't have to be a certain day. You can pick any day you want, but we have to keep one. If we don't keep the Sabbath, the Bible is very clear. We will run down. We will run down. The USA is so stressed today. I remember growing up, and I lived on a farm, and there's a lot of work on the farm. But I don't ever remember being so stressed. But you know what's different in our culture? I really believe one of the main reasons that the culture as a whole is so stressed out today, in a different way than it used to be, is because we don't keep a Sabbath anymore. Our country does not have a Sabbath, and most people don't keep a Sabbath, and I think that's why everybody just feels like we're on the the gerbil wheel, just running, 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 because of that. It it, it really has, I really believe it's effective. In fact, I saw an article in the paper a couple years back, says, an America Sunday, they're using Sunday, is no longer a day of rest, says our 24-7 lifestyle means Sunday is a day to get even more things done. Once within living memory, It was a day apart in many places, a 24-hour stretch of family time when liquor was unavailable, church was the rule, shopping was impossible, and in some towns, weekend staples like tending the lawn and playing in the park met with hearty disapproval. But America changed, and it dragged Sunday along with it. Though Sunday still means worship and family time for millions of Americans, today it also means things that once didn't. That NFL on TV, catching up with the week's accumulated errands, picking up some CDs at Best Buy, moving through a, tw- moving through a 24-7 culture. And it makes this, the point that that's probably one of the reasons why we're, we're so much more stressed is because as a country, we don't keep the Sabbath. Think of Sunday. Uh, a, t- a typical Sunday. <clears throat> go to church, no stress here, <laughs> unless you're on the setup team, worship team, anything, ministry team, right? But, but you get home, and I'll use football season. Sit down, you watch, uh, we watch a football game, finish with a football game, and there's a honey-do list, and we're trying to get all that done, and you get the point, right? I remember when, um, I remember when I started realizing that the football games were draining me. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching football. But for me, I would watch the football game, and I would skip my nap because I wouldn't want to miss the second half. And, and I need a nap on Sunday, trust me. And I realized that, you know what, I'm missing, I'm watching this football game. And I'm not saying this for anybody else, but I'm saying this for me. I'm watching this whole football game, and sometimes the second one, you know, if, I had, you know, if there's something else, nothing going on at night. And I don't get my nap, and so now I'm really exhausted, first of all. And half the time my team loses, and then I'm miserable and exhausted. And it wasn't much of a Sabbath. So now you know what I'll do? I'll, if, if I'm going to watch some, some football, I'll watch like the first quarter, and that's enough. And then I'll hit DVR in case it's a good ending. And then I'll go take my nap, and I wake up happy. And if my team won, then I'm happy. I can watch the DVR later on. And, and I feel rested. And if they lose, I don't care. I still got my nap. All right? Uh, <clears throat> same thing with, with, uh, 
with catching up on that to-do list. You know, so many of us just go out and, and, and just try to catch up on all the things we don't get done during the week. Now, it's not a problem if you do that on a Sunday. There's no rule saying you can't do it on a Sunday. But if you do, it's vital that you find another time of the week to be your Sabbath. So if you know Sunday is going to be a busy time, then you better save Saturday as your time. Or another day of the week. There has to be a time that you get refreshed. There has to be a time when we are recharged. You have to plan another. And you have to be intentional. You know Sunday's crazy? Save Saturday. You know Saturday, whatever day you can save, save a day that is your day to recharge. Because we were created that way. That's the way we were made. And if we don't take it, I guarantee you, you're going to be stressed out, worn down, and, 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 and not, not happy. I, I, this is what I say. What can't I do on, a, on my Sabbath? And I don't say Sunday. I said Sunday earlier, Saturday, whatever. What can't I do on my Sabbath? Whatever drains me. Whatever is going to drain me instead of recharge me. Next week, we're going to look at what we can do. What can I do? Whatever drains me, I shouldn't be doing on my Sabbath. That's what we, we have to be very, very careful. And as Christians, think about this. We, I want to encourage you, and this is your assignment, plan your Sabbath. And you have to do it, as a, at least as a couple and as a family, plan your Sabbath day. And there's no rule what drains you. What drains you might not drain me. What drains someone else, you know. I love going to a, you know, a baseball game and watching a game. I'm going to be going to Cooperstown to watch some game tonight. You know, that's why I'm just jetting out of here after church. Uh, that, that's fun for me. But other people can't stand watching a game, kids playing a game. You know, it drains them. That's work for them. I understand that. But something that they do charges them, is good for them and bad for me. It, there's no rule on this. The point is, what, whatever doesn't drain us. That's the important thing. Is plan a Sabbath day, a day for the family to recharge. For you to recharge, for the family to recharge. Because you know what will happen? And does it sound like anybody here? <laughs> You're so stressed out. The days and weeks are just a blur. Not enjoying any of them. It's just, just, just this constant rat race, gerbil wheel. The days just keep going. Feeling tired all the time. Sound like anybody you know? Odds are we're not taking a Sabbath. And when I don't take, when I miss my Sabbath, sometimes something happens on a Monday. I got to go to funerals, something's going on. I have to do it. But I got to tell you, I suffer for that week. I am drained. I, I guard my, my Mondays like you wouldn't believe. I'll talk about that more next week. I really guard them. Because if I don't, I have nothing left to give to the church or to my family. That's why I do it. I have to have that day. And guess what? We all do, don't we? We need a Sabbath. And there's no day and there's no activity we gotta you can't say you go fishing, you're gonna drown, or you gotta you can't cheer it again. We're not telling there's no rule. The question is what what we shouldn't do anything that drains us on that day. That's the key. I'll talk more about ministry and all that next week because some people have to have Sundays. But let's be intentional and plan it. And I want to say this too as we get ready to close. Maybe here at Tain you're not a Christian. And there's a great picture that jumps out here in this passage, Jesus in the wheat field, because we know that he's making the point you know, about Sabbath, but we also know that the Sabbath is very important for life fulfillment, but also that grain, that bread, is very important for life fulfillment because Jesus came, and we're going to see this as we go through Mark, he is the bread of life. And he's the only one that can fulfill us. 
He's the only one way we're going to find fulfillment in this life is by putting our faith and trust in him and giving our life to him. I want to encourage you too, if if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, that it's not just about keeping a Sabbath, but it's about giving our life to Jesus and putting our faith and trust in him, and that's what's going to give us that fulfillment. That's the, the bread that's going to satisfy. Let's pray. As we close in prayer here this morning, maybe you're here today and you know all about Jesus. You know, he came, he's God's son. He died on the cross for all the wrong things we've ever done. You know all about him, but have you ever put your faith and trust in him and given your life to him? The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in him? Not just mental, but he's talking about a heart belief, a a total trust in. Have you ever taken that step of faith and put your trust in Jesus Christ so that all of your sin could be forgiven, so all the wrong things we've ever done, anything that keeps us from God can be just wiped away and forgiven, and we can have the, the, the relationship with God, the total fulfillment that he wants us to have, the real life. You can do that right where you're sitting. Just pray to God. Just in your heart, pray to God. Say, God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven for all the wrong that I've ever done. I repent of that. I turn away from anything in my life that goes against your word. I repent of it. I ask for forgiveness through Jesus on the cross for me. Put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your son. I give my life to you, God. I want my life to be all that it can be. The person you created me to be, I want to be that. I give my life to you. Control of my life. Lordship of my life I give to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to tell me or tell someone you came with. Let somebody know shoot me an email, fill out the card, something. Someone came up this morning and told me they put their faith in Christ this week. I was so pumped. Let us know so we can encourage you. It's awesome. For the rest of us, I want to just ask you as we just close this prayer time, would we as individuals and as families, as a church, commit ourselves to a Sabbath? Not because we have to follow somebody's version of rules, but because it's really good for us. And we're going to be so much happier. And we need to be recharged. And we need time with God. And we need time with our family. We need time just to be down. Just downtime. Would you commit to that Sabbath? Father, we know that the world lives crazy out there just trying to never stopping, but Lord, we know that there's a time to stop and a time to spend with you and a time just to recharge, and I pray that we would have that time as individuals, that you would really convict us and set us free from the tyranny of the urgent and from the rat race out there, that you would set us free from that so that we could really enjoy this life that you've given us as a gift. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.